So the deal is done. The Indianapolis Colts have a new veteran backup quarterback. Nick Foles has been signed a two-year deal. We don't know the numbers yet. And the numbers are really the important part of this deal because we need to know how much the Colts are investing in a backup quarterback for a starting quarterback who has missed a total of three games over the course of his 14-year career. And those include one game in the last 12 seasons. Did you need a backup quarterback? Is there any return on investment if he doesn't play? Is Nick Foles the kind of guy who's going to help you out as a teammate, as maybe another set of eyes in the quarterback room? All of these are important questions, and we will endeavor to answer them over the course of this Inside Indiana Sports Now with Kent Sterling. It's Monday. Uh, and, and it's May 23rd, 2022. We're brought to you, as always, by the great people at Johnson's Plumbing. If you've got a plumbing problem, they got a plumbing solution. It's what they do. You know what? The last thing you want to do is call a plumber, right? Because it means you've got a plumbing problem that needs to be addressed post-haste. Calling Johnson's Plumbing, at least you know you're calling a good one. They've done work on the house three times. That's why every time we have a plumbing problem... We call 765-610-8809. Smash the subscribe button. Smash the like button. Ring the bell. Let's go. Let's talk about sports, shall we? And if you have a question of an urgent nature, feel free to ask. And if you donate, it pops up in a special graphic. We see it immediately. It's just that simple. Nick Foles coming to the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, like I said, two-year deal. He's 33 years old. Here's the thing about Nick Foles. As a starting quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles, he was 21-11. and 11. That does not include the 3-0 he was in the postseason in 2017 when the Eagles went to the Super Bowl and won the Super Bowl. He was really, really good in those three games. Statistically, it looked a little bit like this. He was 3-0 with a 72.6 completion percentage, six touchdowns, one interception. His passer rating was 115.7. He played his best football when the stage was the brightest. That's kind of an important thing. You don't expect Matt Ryan to get hurt. He rarely gets hurt. He missed one game his second year, and he's missed, or he missed two games his second year, and he's missed one game since then. That's it for Matt Ryan. He stays healthy, and he plays, whether he's healthy, 100% healthy, or not. The Colts... They weren't ready to trust Sam Ellinger to be that guy or Jack Cohn, so they sign Carson Wentz and wave James Morgan. That's the way it goes. Like I said, for the Eagles, 21-11 and 11 is a starter in the regular season. 0-4 for the Jaguars. 4-7 for the St. Louis Rams. St. Louis. He was in St. Louis then. I didn't screw that up. He went in L.A. then. The Rams were still in St. Louis in 2015. For the Bears... 3-5 as a starter, 1-0 for the Chiefs, but that's not really relevant to this conversation because the sample size is so small. For good teams like the Eagles were when he played for them, he helped them win. For bad teams like the Jaguars, like the Bears, like the Rams, you know what? He wasn't good enough to help them overcome being mediocre. That's the way being a you can't ask for more of a backup quarterback than that. He was a starting quarterback at that point, but backup quarterbacks are guys 
they're not going to get you over the hump. But if you got a good team, they're not going to drag you under the hump either. And that's who Carson or who Nick Foles is. He is 6'6", 250. He is a big hoss back there. He is tough to bring down. Throws a good ball. And he is a guy who has played really good football with Frank Reich. And I know. This is, well, I know what you're going to say. And you're right. I say it to myself. That we said the same thing about Carson Wentz. You know what? He's, I bet Frank Reich is the quarterback whisperer. And Carson Wentz, is, he played his best football for Frank Reich. Blah, 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 blah. Nick Foles, same thing. I'm not going there here. All right? If if Frank Reich's the coach and Nick Foles is a quarterback, I don't think that gives Frank Reich or the Colts or Nick Foles any kind of additional advantage. It just is what it is. And hopefully, if pressed into service, he can recreate some of the magic from five years ago when he helped the Eagles win that championship that a lot of those guys still make money from, right? Doug Peterson, he's still a head coach in large part because... He, he won that Super Bowl. So Nick Foles coming to Indianapolis. We talked about it over the, way, over the weekend on the call-in show, talked a lot about Nick Foles and, and hit the likelihood of his coming to Indy. As long as this wasn't an expensive contract, as long as Chris Ballard didn't spend the rest of the money he's got in his wallet for this coming year, I'm all good with this. You know, because if Matt Ryan gets hit and it's awkward, do you want a guy like Nick Foles coming into the game, or do you want a guy like Sam Ellinger? You don't know what the unknown is with Sam Ellinger. You do know this. You know that Nick Foles is a whole lot more like Matt Ryan than Sam Ellinger is, and that's important as a backup quarterback. Nick Foles knows how to run a huddle. He knows how to play competitive football. He knows how to hit a guy when he's open and throw a guy open. Does this make the Colts better? Does this make the Colts a championship team if yesterday they weren't? No. It does not. It does make them better if Matt Ryan gets hurt because you'd rather have Nick Foles back there than you would uh, Sam Ellinger or Jack Cohn. No offense to those guys. And maybe Sam Ellinger is the second coming of Tom Brady, a guy who's going to come into a game and he's never going to leave the lineup. I don't know. We don't know that. But we do know this. The odds of a six-round draft pick, 6-1, completely physically different, from a starting quarterback, the odds of that guy coming into a game and succeeding during the regular season, scant, all right? During the preseason, we're going to see him look really good. Sam Ellinger is going to look really good in the preseason. And you're going to say, wow, just like we did with Chad Kelly, right? Chad Kelly, we were like, wow. Jacob Eason, we were like, wow. That guy, look at the ball he throws. I said it myself when I was watching him at camp. The thing you learn the more camps you go to, the less likely you are to be blown away by a quarterback in camp or a receiver in camp. We see it every year. Saw with Deion Kane, saw with Therese Fountain. Uh, we've seen it with Desmond Patman. We've seen it with Michael Strawn. Oh, my God. Did you see that guy go up one-handed? Unbelievable. He's, he's going to the Pro Bowl. No. He's not even going to be active on Sunday. But he looks good in camp. That's what you got in camp. All right. Um, yeah, the quarterback storylines out of Indy are never ending. That is for sure. That is absolutely true. You know, Nick Foles is not a championship-level quarterback, or he would have played quarterback for the Bears last year. He did. 
He was he was under contract. They were paying him a lot of money to just sit on his ass. That was Nick Foles last year. Now, granted, the Chicago Bears wouldn't know a great quarterback if one came onto the practice field at Lake Forest College and hit them over the head. Hit uh, Matt Eberflus over the head, they wouldn't know a good quarterback. They haven't had a legitimate starting quarterback going back all the way, who is it, like Sid Lockman, back in the 40s and early 50s, for God's sake. Jim McMahon was there for a year or two, but kept getting hurt. Other than that, who you got? Like, who have you had? Miller? No. Yeah, uh, my God. Uh, the knucklehead from, from Santa Claus from Heritage Hills, Indiana? No, I won't even say his name. Went to Vanderbilt. We know who he is. The Colts, they got Foles. Uh, a reject from the Bears, which has got to make you feel pretty good uh, about Foles because Bears rejects. At, at least they have shown over the years to be much more impactful than those who stay with the Bears and play for that irretrievably mediocre uh, franchise. And and the Chicago media just keeps blowing them. You know, oh, the, the Bears, this is the year for the Bears. Look, it, it, it's year number two for this guy, and it's a, they got some weapons, and look at that defense, it's unbelievable. Yeah, okay. Matt Eberflus. We got Matt Eberflus. They're going to peanut punch the ball loose and go crazy. Yeah, okay. All right, that's what they're going to do. That's what happens with the Chicago Bears. Chicago Bears are the worst franchise, maybe in professional sports, worst owned franchise. Ted Phillips has been, what is it about business guys, financial guys? The Bears have employed Ted Phillips forever, and Ted Phillips has done nothing but try to like submerge and drown the Bears' hopes of winning for all this time. It's been more than 30 years he's been there. He, he's the Crane Kenny. Crane, where do they come from? You got Crane Kenny, you got Ted Phillips. These guys are absolutely adverse in their activity to the uh, chances of their franchises winning games and, and engaging fans. What is the matter with these teams? At any rate... A uh, great media conversation today between Dan Dockich on 107.5 The Fan and Mark Boyle, the radio play-by-play -play voice of the Pacers. They were talking about uh, pregames and how pregames shouldn't be in a, a place, shouldn't be staged where fans can get to the hosts. And this is absolutely true because the, the level of civility among fans is at an all-time low. All people do is drink until they become psychotic. And then when they become psychotic, guess what happens? Psychosis. Idiocy happens, for God's sake. And, and Mark Boyle and Dan Dockich were talking about it. And all I could think of as they were talking about it is how stupid pregames are anyway. Now, on the radio, you know what? Okay. To the extent people still listen to the radio. Pregames are almost always more interesting than the alternative, right? Because they're local, and if you're going to listen to a Pacers game, why not listen to Pat Boylan and Mark Boyle talk about what's going to happen? And, and with the Colts, why not listen to Matt Taylor talk about what, what's going to happen during that game? I totally get it. I applaud it. Fine. But on TV, network TV pregames are just a cash grab. Nobody gives a damn. All people do, the producers do this. They sign as many people whose names people recognize as they possibly can. They put them on a stage, they stick a camera there, and they have these guys 
give little bitty capsules for each game, none of which involve any level of information that is useful to gamblers or to fans. They are an utter total waste of time, and the only purpose they serve is to increase the amount of programming that these networks have to be able to sell. That's the whole deal. You got Bill Cowher and Jimmy Johnson and Terry Bradshaw. Terry Bradshaw hasn't said anything relevant about professional football in 30 years. Howie Long, good Lord, really. This is the programming that you're going to proudly present to people in their homes and in bars across the country. Really. It's awful. It's terrible. It's unwatchable. But nobody cares. Nobody manages, manages these products anymore. And so they languish in complete ridiculousness and, and make guys like me have headaches. Guys like you have headaches. They are terrible. They are uniquely bad among all... T and, and don't even get me started about the Marquee Network. The Marquee Network and its revolving door of co-hosts, those pregames are complete garbage. And, in fact, I would say all of the Marquee Network's uh, broadcast elements are garbage-like. I don't mind Jim Deshaies. John Shabby has been a, a, a complete disappointment. Uh, just I always thought he was kind of a guy. And then the more you listen to him do games, you're like, this isn't a guy. You know, he's kind of big and fun, sort of. Not a guy. Said he was unaware of the 13-run pool. I've been in 13-run pools, for God's sake. Everybody's been in 13-run pools, and he didn't even know of their existence. That was embarrassing. You, you got, and that's when a team, like you put five bucks in, you get a team. If your team is the next one to score exactly 13 runs, you win the pot. That's a 13-run pool. It can't be more than 13, right? It doesn't have to be a 13 nothing shutout. 13 runs. Your team scores 13, you put the money in your pocket. It's not complicated, and it's kind of fun. Keeps you watching. At any rate, the only thing that I will watch the, Cub, or the Marquee Network for revisits to 1969 Cubs. I love the little show about Fergie Jenkins or about Billy Williams, about Ron Sano, Ernie Banks. Uh, the interview that they did with, um, uh, with Glenn Beckert was wonderful. The late, great Glenn Beckert. Love that. All the rest of it, pfft, terrible, awful, an embarrassment, and the Cubs should be ashamed at not taking more seriously their, their charge in providing Cubs fans reasonable entertainment for God's sake and the Indianapolis Motor Speedway needs to put that race on live TV. I read an article today where a, a professor from Ball State said, well, it's all about tickets. It's all about selling more tickets. It has nothing to do with selling tickets. Zero to do with selling tickets. You sell more tickets and there is nobody who doesn't know this except that guy, I guess. You sell more tickets to events that are on TV, because if events aren't on TV, they do not exist to people under the age of 30. It's the best marketing the Indianapolis Motor Speedway can do for its Indy 500 ticket sales, putting it on TV, that they could ever have. It's a four-hour commercial for the event and for the uh, structure, uh, the the 
building, the, the track, the speedway, the complex. It's a beautiful thing for them to have that on live TV. What it does is completely eviscerates the radio network's ability to sell, especially locally. And that sucks for local radio because nobody listens to the radio. They would rather watch it on TV, so give it to the people on TV. How many times do I have to say this? For God's sake, put it on live TV. You want to sell tickets, you put it on TV. You don't take it off TV. You out of your minds? We'll talk to you tomorrow morning, Breakfast with Ken. I can't wait.